How are we? Good afternoon, even. How are we? Um, those of you watching online, we are glad that you're along with us um, today. And uh, we, we are, as Bill said, we're in the Christmas season. And, and so what that means is we have a run-in here over a couple of weeks where uh, we really begin to lean to something that um, has really become just a life staple of who we are, like God has positioned us, and we're in a, a really unique spot with it, um, the, the history that it has and how we ended up where we are. But we're just thankful because what happens in a couple of weeks is inevitably there's roughly, best count we can do is be anywhere between 1,500 and 3,000 guests will enter our home this Christmas. And what that means is if you're part of the family and you're here, and, and this is home. This is, this is what we call home. And so wrapped around that then is we will have 1,500 to 3,000 people who don't attend Heights regularly. They're not part of the family, but because of what Christmas is and how Christmas is done, they will show up and, and they will be a part of, of what happens here. Um, we, we had a story a couple of years ago where um, a guy, uh, he, he was telling us that he had never stepped foot on a physical church campus or a church building in his life. That, that Christmas at Heights was his first time ever um, even being on, the, on a property of a church, let alone actually attending church. And so we sit in a unique spot where um, I don't know what it was like for you, but uh, when, when people come to your house, maybe Thanksgiving was a good example of it, you get the house ready. When, if you're anything like my wife, it starts like two weeks before people are showing up, right? And, and, and she's rearranging stuff that she rearranged a week ago, like because it needs to be rearranged better. Maybe that's you. And, um, but, but she's busy at work. She, she's getting everybody pitching in on it, and we're all got our tasks. Why? Because people are coming, right? And you want to be a good host. You want um, people, when they show up, you, you want them to experience the house being ready. You want them to experience the very best that you can offer. And so we have the opportunity as a family that, that in a couple of weeks, we get to open um, our home, so to speak, to a whole bunch of people who are our guests, who are, who are stepping into a space that maybe is uncomfortable for them, and we get to make it comfortable. And so, and so for us, we get the opportunity to um, really prep and get the home ready for, for what's to come. And, and it's wrapped around this idea that we get to do it because for whatever reason, God has positioned us as a family, as a space where, where we do Christmas in a way that just is welcoming and inviting. That, that if somebody could walk on the campus, and, and especially if they've never been to church, but somebody could walk on the campus for the first time, set foot into one of our services, which are all geared around, um, we want you to just, just meet Jesus. And if they walk out going, even, even at just a slight shift from... I thought there wasn't anything here for me to, man, there's something about this that I need to, I, I need to figure out what this is. Um, church, that's a huge win in somebody's life. And we get to play a part of that. We have the opportunity to be a part of that. And, and so if you're here and you're like, man, I like that. I like that. Well, here's the thing, right? It takes a lot of people to get the house ready. And, and so what you have the opportunity, what I have the opportunity of doing is saying, God, we, we believe you're in this and we want this celebration to be what it should be, then, then here's how you get involved. If you're here and you go, I want, to be a, I want to be a part of that, then you walk out these doors, you walk to a table and you simply tell them, I want to get the house ready. I want to be a part of this. 
Um, and they will figure out, you can figure out times and all this. But I got a challenge for you, okay? Because consistently, down through the years, people will join to get the house ready on the 23rd, but not on the 24th, right? The 24th is like, I got a challenge for you. Can we fill the 24th before we fill the 23rd? Just got awkward because I'm looking at you, huh? That's right. Because here's the thing, if we really believe, like, like people are going to meet Jesus, if we really believe that, we really believe that God is going to do something, here's what I believe, right? Even if we don't fill, even if we don't open the doors the way we should, God is still going to do what he got, he's going to do. We miss out. I don't want to miss out on what God's going to do. In fact, I believe that, that God is going to do something so special in the hearts and lives of people that, that for me, I'll be here both days. And that's not just because I get paid, right? We're trying to get the staff to serve a day. And we want the staff to enjoy a day, right? We want, we want it to be something where, man, we're a part of this because this is our family celebration, right? And so we have the chance to, to do something really dynamic in, in the lives of our community. And all it requires is I go, man, I, I can be a part of making the house ready. I can be a part of opening a door. You never notice when you go to somebody's house, they have to open the door for you, right? Depending on who it is. It's my brother. He ain't opening the door for me. Um, but, but we get to open the door. And so if that's you and you go, well, I don't like tables, John. I don't like going. Okay, you can take out your phone and do it online. Heightschurch.com. Just join, join Christmas Serve right there. So. Um, that's going on. We are in a series called Advent. Um, Advent is a four-week series, and we're rallying around this idea this time of hope. And, and the idea comes from this, that when God shows up, when God comes near, uh, Christmas is about Emmanuel, right? God with us. That when God shows up in the experience in the lives of humanity, then what also shows up is this thrill of hope that comes along with it. That hope is, is a byproduct, if you like. It's a reality we live with that when God shows up, hope shows up in our life. And so we're just talking through the dynamics of, of what does hope do, what does hope look like. And we're going to frame it around a verse this morning. We'll rally back to this idea a couple of times. But it's in Hebrews chapter 6 that we, we being the family, we being the ones that, depending on how you personally define that, um, we would say that if you've come to a place where you've placed your trust in Jesus or a place where Jesus, you, you've put your trust in him to rescue you or a, a moment when you realized who he was and, and you professed it, that, that, and, and you might use words like Christian or believer or different, different terms, follower, um, we, we, those of us that are in that place, have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That we have a hope that is firm and secure. That, that it goes on to talk about in the next part of this and into the next verse, that it's, it talks specifically about what Jesus has done. That our hope and our anchor that, that is for our soul so that, so that we don't end up getting tossed about, that we don't end up um, not having anywhere as a solid foundation, that it's actually saying that we have a hope. We've been given a hope. And hope is a person. And his name is Jesus. And that hope showed up years ago. And Advent is, is 
for us looking backwards at the arrival of Jesus on the planet as a baby. And we now look back on a cross where he spread his arms to declare he loves us. And we look back on an empty tomb, right? We remind ourselves, Advent is about anchoring ourselves, reminding ourselves, positioning ourselves to be ready to celebrate but also here and now to remind ourselves that we have a hope. Hope showed up, his name was Jesus, as an anchor for your soul. We have a hope. And he's a person. It reminds me of uh, years ago, um, I lived in Canada. Our family lived there, and uh, when they have snow, sometimes those snow, it's, it's epic. Like, it's an epic snowstorm, right? And, and by epic snowstorm, let me just frame it up for you because of where we live. Uh, that thing that happened two Christmases ago where we got two feet of snow or a foot and a half, that's not epic snow, okay? That, I mean, I know we felt like it was the apocalypse was happening, but it's not an epic snow. There, there's, a, there's a snow in Canada, like, it, it was normal that you could get six to eight feet. Like, that was just part of it. You were in the snow, we were in the snow belt, and, and, and you could just expect you were going to get snow. And so, with snow comes fresh powder. Fresh powder is the best to plant, right? It's just fun. And so, uh, I don't know if you're like this, but my wife, she is a um, bubble wrap girl. Here, here's what I mean. She would take our kids and wrap them in bubble wrap if she could, right? So that nothing ever harmed them. Any bubble wrap people in the room, right? She, that, that's her. She would... And proof of this is my kids have never broken a bone. That's not for lack of trying on my part, but they've never broken a bone. So, so she's bubble wrap. We have a lot of snow. I'm like, baby, can I take the kids on a snowmobile ride? She's like, no, it's not safe. Right? And the kids at this point, I already told the kids. So they're already in. They're already like getting their jackets on and like we're, they're going. So... So they're like, come on, mom, please, please. So, so she's like, okay, but stay on the trails. Of course I'll stay on the trails. Who wouldn't stay on the trails? So, so we get going, and uh, fresh powder is the best when you have kids, and you get to torture them. They don't know you're torturing them, because if you get on a sled with a kid and fresh powder, and they sit in the front, all the powder comes over the front, they look like the abominable snowman when you're done. It's great. Um, so we get on the sled, and we're going like... Not very fast, and they're, they're having fun. My little one, is uh, uh, Sierra, is a lot like her mama. Like anything that's too scary, she's like, okay, we're, we're good. We need to stop. Slow down. And I'm like, so she's happy, so I'm like, we got this. So now we're speeding up, and now they start to scream, right? And we're just going down the trail, and, and, and I, the more they scream, the more fun I think they're having, right? So um, <laughs> at some point, we leave the trail. And it's fresh powder, which means that when you get into it, you just, when you're off the trail, you just disappear, right? And so I asked my kids, because I told them I was sharing this, I asked them, I said, said, do you guys remember that? And they're like, yeah, Dad. Didn't we almost die? (laughs) I'm like, well, that might be true. But they're like, they're both like, well, we were little, and I remember a cliff. Was it really a cliff? So we get off the trail... And now we're just in snow, and, and the back end is just sliding around, right? And it's going closer and closer to the Nemo drop-off, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just, don't know where it came from, don't know how it got there, but we were there, right? And, and so now the kids have gone from, like, screaming because it's a thrill to crying and screaming, I want my mom, right? And I'm like, well, your mom ain't here, and she's never finding out about this, so... 
So we, we're on the edge and, and the back end sliding. And I, it comes to a point, because they're at the point now, like, they really, I thought I was going to kill them, let alone them thinking they're going to die. And, and they're going, <laughs> so they can't breathe. They're crying so hard. And, and, and it gets to a point where I realize I have to get off the, I have to get off the snowmobile to save them. But I could not convince them that was good for them. I mean, they are screaming, don't leave us. Don't get off of this thing. Like, and here I am. I get off and, and, and begin pushing it, clearing out snow in the front, trying to push this thing uphill and get it back on the trail. And um, my kids have never broken a bone. They were fine. They made it home. Did they almost die? Maybe, but they made it home. Right? <laughs> and it hits me that their hope is in a person. And as long as the person was there, their anchor was secure. But the minute I got away from them, all of a sudden, everything inside of them screamed that that hope had left. And I think when we talk about an anchor for the soul, we're talking about a person. That anchor for the soul is a lot like that moment with my kids on a snowmobile. That, That we are to have an anchor for our soul. There's a story in the Bible that picks up and it's kind of the same same rhythm um, as the snowmobile story, but if you turn to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, um, it picks up the story this way, that day when evening came, he being Jesus, sorry, verse 35, that day when evening came, he being Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So Jesus, at this point, it's been a full day. He's been doing an awful lot at this point. His, his day's been full with people. And now he says to the disciples, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Why is that significant? Because what's about to happen in this story, what, what we're going to find in here is extremely significant because sometimes you may have been, or, or maybe this is your reality, you inherited um, a version of the good news of Jesus that told you that when you say yes to Jesus, he fixes everything. That when you say yes to Jesus, life gets a whole lot better. That when you said yes to Jesus, in fact, it's just sunshine and rainbows the rest of your life. Right? You were promised stuff that you got into it, and now you're, you're sitting in a space where you're actually disillusioned with your faith because you're going, wait a minute, what I was told didn't become a reality. I've been following Jesus, and as I'm following Jesus, what I've actually found is that what I thought I was getting is actually the exact opposite. Maybe we just need to like catch from this just for a second that the disciples at this moment were told by Jesus, by God himself, get in the boat, let us go to the other side. Next verse. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So, so they leave the crowd, they get in the boat, but... I love this language, right? That, that they took Jesus just as he was. And I saw this and I'm like, Man, what does that mean? And so I, I started researching the, the language behind it, the original language, and started researching like commentaries and, and people that I respect, their opinion. And, and what I found was this. No one really knows. <laughs> like, like no one, everybody's just kind of guessing it, what was the just... And, and so... For me, this is, this is where my thought process is. That just as he was, what has his day been like? Well, his day's been really full, right? 
His, his day's been extremely stretchy. And, and I got to thinking, when, when I'm stretched and when I'm full, and it's been a long day, I get tired. I get exhausted. I might even get slightly grumpy, depending on when it is and if I've had food. Amen on the grumpy food people in the room, right? <laughs> Anybody married to a bear that when you don't feed them, they turn into a bear? So, um, but but there's, this, there's this piece of this where I think sometimes in stories of Jesus, we, Jesus is God, right? True. True statement. But Jesus was also fully human. And sometimes I think we fail to see the humanity of Jesus inside of stories. And I think in this case, and we'll see in a little bit, but I think that just as he was, is, is the author is telling us he's tired and he's had a long day. It's been full and he's been stretched. And, and this is the G. We just took him as he was. He didn't have time to go away on the mountainside and pray. He didn't have time to go get something to eat. He didn't, he, we, we just took him right as he was. He just got done with everything he'd been doing and we, we, just, we just brought him along, Right? And he's in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Next verse. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that, no, so that it was nearly swamped. A furious squall. So in this area, there's, there's the Mediterranean Sea, and the, the cool air comes off the Mediterranean Sea. It goes through a narrow mountain pass down um, to the Sea of Galilee, to the lake, right, to, the, to where he is. And, and as it comes down, it meets warm air. So you have cold air meeting warm air, and storms come out of nowhere. So, so you, could, you could get in the boat, and it's all sunny and nice, and there's no clouds, and you're good, right? And in a moment, because of the way the air and everything moves, you could end up in the middle of a storm. This is a lot like life. This is a lot like you, you woke up, and you got into your day, and it's sunny, and you're singing on the way to work, and it's a good day, and something happens relationally. And now you're in a relational storm. You just said one thing. And all of a sudden it's become this big thing. Right? And you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Or you woke up. You woke up. And your wife goes, how do I look? And you answer wrong, gentlemen. Right? What you thought was right was wrong. Because what's right is wrong. Anyways. So... But reality is, it could be an off a comment, or it could be something where you intentionally, for one moment, lost sight of what you were doing and said something you shouldn't, and all of a sudden now you're in a relational storm, and you don't know how you get out of it, and people are splitting up, and friendships are splitting up, and you don't even know if you're seeing each other for Christmas anymore, right? And it just happened like that. It just came out of nowhere. Like, like financially, one day you wake up and you got all your, everything's in line and, and you think everything's perfect and out of nowhere, all of a sudden you don't know because there's a shift. You don't know. And Ron talked about this last week with the, with the people and circumstances. When our hope is there, then they will let us down every single time. But, but the reality is in the sense of a storm, like, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, we end up in the middle of something that we can't control. We didn't see it coming. And all of a sudden we are there. Sometimes it's morally. Sometimes we make moral choices. And those moral choices have extreme consequences. And we didn't necessarily set out on our day and we were going to make that choice and we're going to continue to make that choice and continue to make... Like we just did it one day and we never realized how far it would take us. And now you're, you're sitting in a storm where you've made some moral choices. 
that are toxic to your soul and now you're sitting in the reality of those moral choices and don't know how you get out of this storm or where the storm even came from. This, is, this, this to me is a metaphor of what life is like. That you don't have to try real hard. And, and I don't like the word stressed. Um, I think stress, when we speak negative words over us, they become us. I, I think a much better term for when people ask you, how are you doing? Well, I'm just busy and stressed. <laughs> well, you will be busy and stressed and you'll feel every ounce of that. I like the term stretched and full. How are you doing, man? Life is full. I'm just being stretched. Why is stretched to me a better term? Because when you work out, you stretch your muscles. What are you actually doing? You're becoming stronger. I think we're designed to be stretched. Why? Because as we are stretched, we actually get to the place where our faith grows. But sometimes that stretching feels like you could snap. Like it's going to take you further than you can handle. And you're on a thin edge and you don't know if you're going to make it. And, and, And you're in this stretch storm, so to speak. And there's all kinds, all kinds of storms where you're raising your kids and everything's great. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your kid makes a choice that you're like, how did we end up here? Or maybe for you, you went to the hospital or the doctors. And in the midst of going to the doctors, you're just going for a checkup. And in the midst of a checkup, they they stumble on something else. And they go, we got to tell you about this. And and you end up in a storm that you never saw coming. Why? Because life is like this. This is what life is like. It's why we need an anchor for our souls. That's why hope, according to Hebrews, is such a big deal. That hope is the anchor for our soul. And it's one thing when the waves are on the outside of the boat. It's entirely another thing when the waves are on the inside of the boat. And in this case, they're going, okay, it's not only that we're in a storm, but that what should be outside is actually inside. So it's penetrated whatever systems, whatever security, whatever, whatever we had that we thought was safe, it's now over those and inside. We were in Lake Powell um, a number of years ago, and my brother-in-law was... Um, we were on his wakeboard boat, and he was driving, and um, he's gifted and skilled, and we left our cove, and it was kind of, you know, it was smooth in the cove, but choppy in the channel, kind of normal, and the, the wind was somewhat normal, and we got out in the channel, we were heading um, way up the lake, and all of a sudden, man, out of nowhere, the, the, the waves and the, the wakes um, were something where we're going, man, I don't know if we get it, I don't know if this boat handles this. Um, and he's skillfully trying to get through, but the, the waves are coming over the side of the boat. Um, and it's in those moments that, that that feels a whole lot life like life at times. Where when the water's on the inside, we're like, oh man, we're, we're not going to make it. Next verse. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus was in the stern, notice his posture sleeping. Now, I'm fascinated, by the way, that it says on a cushion. 
Okay, think about this for a second, right? God, God decides he's going he's gonna, to, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, use humanity, journey with them, but then actually pin down at different parts all the way through and tell us what God is like by his interactions with man. And he's gonna, when Jesus is here, he's going to tell us just what God is like with flesh on, and he's going to give us details about Jesus, right? And so, so he's got these authors, and they're writing out this stuff, and each word is being inspired by God himself. And he leaves for all of time. On a cushion. Jesus had memory foam, y'all. Right? On a cushion. I'm like, why? Why did, like, it would have been enough if he said Jesus was in the stern sleeping. We'd be like, okay, he's asleep, right? But God wanted us to know that Jesus has a cushion. That's fascinating to me. Because this is how it speaks to me that, that, it's okay when I go home and get a cushion to take a nap. Right? Bob Hoyt would say I'm spoiled, but Bob, I'm not. Jesus did it. Um, here's how it speaks. Twice in this story, God has left for us very clearly the humanity of Jesus. Why do I think this speaks to the humanity of Jesus? Well, when I go home, I, I like... If I'm in bed, I like a pillow. If I'm on the couch, I like a cushion. If I lay on the floor, I like something, whether I roll my jacket up or something, to put my head on. Right? That's just being human. Jesus in this moment is being very, very human. I think that the passage is speaking that that he is fully God and he is fully man. He's fully human. And that becomes really important because... He's asleep in the midst of a storm. His posture is he is relaxed and he is at rest in the midst of a storm where the waves are coming over. And it would be really easy for us because we do this a lot. Well, that's fine for Jesus. He's God. But I'm not wired that way. Right? I don't know where the voice came from. It's almost lunchtime for me. Um, but, but, but seriously, like, it would be really easy to just say, well, that's fine for Jesus to rest in the midst of a storm. He's God. But twice, I think, what God's left for us is, no, 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 don't miss. He's fully human. He's tired. He's exhausted. You know where he's heading? He's heading across the lake to meet a demon-possessed man and a whole bunch of angry people. Which is, I didn't tell anybody else this, but I got to tell you because I think it's the coolest thing and it's a sermon for another day. You ready? They had to go through the storm to get to the person that needed help. And maybe your storm that you're going through is because God's got somebody on the other side that if you don't go through the storm, you can't get to. Just ruined a sermon. Notice the difference. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Notice the posture difference. The disciples wake Jesus up. Now, now, now okay, let's just get hum- the human element of the story, right? Because if you were an experienced sailor, you were an experienced fisherman, you knew how to handle a boat... And, and, and they're guys, so testosterone has fallen. They're, they're young guys, which means it's even more so I'm going to prove my way, right? That would be me. I'm going to handle this. I know how to sail a boat. 
I know how to make it through the storm. Seem worse than this before. Right? And so what it speaks to me is they have exhausted everything that they thought was an anchor to get through the storm. That everything that they could physically do, they've already done. And now they're at the point where, well, we guess we better wake him up. I wonder how many of us in the midst of storms are exhausting ourselves because we're trying to fix it and we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to find an anchor that we can hold on to when in reality is we've been told by scripture your anchor is hope. What is hope? Hope is a person and that person's name is Jesus. And if we would grab hold and we would take hold of the anchor and we, which is for our soul. We're so busy trying to figure out our soul. We're so busy trying to, trying to get in this mode of, man, I just need more self-help and I just need more of this and I just need more of them and I just need more. And, and reality is what Scripture is saying is, no, 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 in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your storm, don't miss the hope you have for your soul. This, again, teacher, don't you care? How many times does that happen? Things go bad and we're like, God, I thought you, if you love me, you would. I mean, how many times you've been in here and you hear Ron or um, Pastor Ron or Pastor Mike or myself and, and we're up here and we're going, man, God is for you. He loves you. And you're like, yeah. And then you get in a storm and you're like, man, if this is, if this is God being for me, I don't ever want to see him against me. That's the language that's here. Don't you care? Don't you care what if we drown? God, don't you care about our lives? Next verse. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He got up. I love how, like, it just sounds like he's annoyed I don't know about you I'm a grumpy napper I don't nap very often because I just wake up and I'm just grumpy like it just takes me forever to get out of like that Um, my wife completely different that girl can nap and wake up and she's joy I'll wake up and I'm like oh man I'm not saying Jesus was a grumpy napper but I think he got up and there's an element of this where he's just just annoyed at the wind and the waves like stop already quiet be still and it's done. And in that moment, he proves that he is fully God. Because in this time and in this culture and in this context, they believe that if you could heal the human soul, if you could heal like physical ailments, that was one thing. But if you could control the elements, that was an entirely, they couldn't explain it. It was inexplicable. And that's the piece that I absolutely love in this. Because he's, he's fully God, but he's fully human and can relate. And experiences what you're going through. And yet in the same moment, he is your hope that at any given second, he can look at your storm and go, quiet, be still. Next verse. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Uh, a lot of people look at this and he's, they're like, see, Jesus is, Jesus is frustrated with them. Jesus is telling them off in this moment. I, I don't personally believe that. I think he just proved that he is God and now he's looking at them going, why are you so afraid? And he connects in this moment faith, 
He connects faith to their anchor in the midst of a storm. See, in this moment, he's saying, what are you trusting in? What are you holding to? What's your anchor? What he's saying is, I've been here the whole time. You know who I am. What are you holding? There's another verse that kind of ties this all together just just as we close in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us, us again in this context is the same as we talked about before, that we have this hope. It's those that, that, that you've been on this journey with Jesus. He's rescued you. You're his child. Um, you're, you're part of the, the, the family, so to speak. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. And, and, and he's saying, let us hold unswervingly to the hope. Now that word hold is, is you, you can take it literally as to grab onto, to take hold of, possession of, so to speak, and grip it tightly. Um, there's an essence to this word in the original. And it goes something like this, that, that to hold something is actually to allow it to occupy the vessel. And so in this context, because we're talking about humanity, and we're talking about followers of Jesus, that what we actually have is we allow it to occupy all of us. Every single space of your soul is occupied with what? With hope. What is hope? Hope is a person. Allowing Jesus to occupy all of you, every single space of you. And then it, and then it throws this word in. Unswervingly. That, that, that means I allow it to occupy me. I, I allow it to fill all of me, to take hold of me. And I don't move. What does that mean? That means I don't go and find other anchors. I don't go looking for other anchors. I stay on the anchor and the person of Jesus. Why? Not because I'm so good that I can hold on tight and I can white knuckle this baby and I can make it through. Why is your soul's anchor the hope and the person of Jesus? Why does that work? Because he who promised is faithful. He who promised, God is the one that promised. So when you say, okay, how do I know, John, that hope, hope is the anchor for my soul? How do I know that? God said it. What do I know about God? He's faithful. So when he promises you that in the midst of a storm, in the midst of life, in the midst of the moment, you grab onto hope, and you hold on to the person of Jesus and you let him occupy you, what you can guarantee yourself is you will make it through. Why? Because it's not based on your faithfulness. It's based on his faithfulness. That God is the one who is worthy to hold you through it. Why is it an anchor? Why is it secure? Because it's grounded in the person of who God is. When, and when John opens his account of Jesus, he calls him the what? The Word. And the Word became flesh, right? And the world dwelt among men, right? The Word of God is the anchor for your soul. The person of Jesus anchors you so that when the storms come, and they'll come, if if you're sitting here and you're like, why ain't in a storm? I got some news. They're coming. Just keep breathing. And if you're in a storm today, I got good news for you. You have an anchor for your soul. This does not consume you. This does not overwhelm you it does not end and so here you go the whole thing summarized you ready 
It's all caught up in this. So if you've shut off for the last however many minutes, you can check back in for this and you got it all. Hold the hope before the boat. Hold the hope before the boat. Meaning hold on to hope, let it occupy you, fill you, hold the anchor. Why? Before I ever step foot in the boat, which is where the storm is. However, in the boat, hold the hope. That today, if you are in the boat, you're already in the storm, the waves are coming over, then all you need to do today is you need to hold on to hope. Or better said, let hope hold on to you. Let Jesus hold you today. Let him grab you, let him consume you, and let him be the anchor for your soul so that you don't get swept away. And you just might hear him say, quiet, be still. So God, we come before you today. Thank you for loving us like you do. God, thank you that today as we, we sit here many, many, many years after you showed up on the planet to declare your love for us, We get to celebrate your arrival in a few weeks. But God, on our journey to celebrate, would you work on our souls today? God, would you show us ways in these next moments that as we sing about a living hope that we have, as we celebrate, as we encourage ourselves with our own words of who you are and what you've done, God, would you show us where we need to reattach to the anchor of hope that is you. Would you show us where we're, we're not allowing you to occupy all of us? Would you let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess? Not because we are anything and not because we can do it, but because God, you have done it. And you will do it again and again and again because you're faithful. God, for those in the room who, God, they've never come to a place where they put their trust in you as the anchor of their life. I pray that today you would open their eyes. I pray today you would encourage their souls. I pray today that you would give them a yearning that they need something more. And I pray today that Jesus is their rescue. Jesus is their solid foundation. For the, for the ones in the room, God, who, whether it was yesterday or years ago, professed, the hope they have in you. Would you encourage them in these next moments, remind them and build us up as we walk out of these doors. We love you and everybody said, amen.